Something new is supported by listeners like you. Visit paypal.com and help this podcast continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation. This is Joel B. New, and you're listening to Something New, my chance to talk and collaborate with the savviest performers I know, to hear their stories and get to the heart of what makes them the working, multifaceted artists they have come to be. Today's first guest artist is an actor, writer, and director. Her performing credits include David Ives' The Heir Apparent, directed by John Brando at CSC, Into the Woods at The Old Globe, McCarter, and Fiasco, The 60s Project at Goodspeed, the last five years at Stanford Center for the Arts, Richard III, The Tempest, Much Ado About Nothing, and Comedy of Errors at Trinity Rep. She co-wrote Hardcore West Virginia with my friend of many years, Mike Petrie, which was part of a 2012 ASCAP musical theater workshop. As a director, she has had a hand in The Woodsman at 59E59, Henry IV Part One, Trelawney of the Wells, Frankie and Johnny in the Claire de Lune, and A Little Night Music, all at Juilliard and Voices in My Head at Ars Nova. She received her training at Juilliard and Brown University. She can currently be seen as Cinderella and Granny in Fiasco Theater's critically acclaimed revival of Into the Woods, now playing at the Laura Pels Theater in New York as part of Roundabout Theater Company's current season. Obviously, I'm talking about Claire Carpin. Claire Carpin, thanks for being on my show. Hi, Joel. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. Uh, Claire comes to us today via Skype because we are Uh all so busy. (laughs) Today's second guest artist is a New York-based actor, director, writer, puppet designer, and co-artistic director of Strangeman and Company. Acting credits include The Woodsman at 59E59, El Gato con Botas at Tectonic Theater Company, On the Head of a Pin at Strangeman, and Rhinoceros at Ugly Rhino. Design slash directorial credits, puppet or otherwise, include The Tempest at DC Shakespeare, Multiple King Lears at Public Theater and Theater for New Audience, Midsummer Night's Dream, New Place Players, Miss Lily Gets Boned at Studio 42, uh, My Bass and Scurvy Heart, also at Studio 42, The Little Mermaid at Glass Bandits, and The Woodsman at Ars Nova, recipient of the 2013 Jim Henson Foundation Grant. Obviously, I'm talking about James Ortiz. James Ortiz, thanks for being on my show. Not at all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, Thanks for joining me via Skype on this uh, Sunday pseudo morning. I still consider it morning. Noon is morning on a Sunday. It's it's morning. I think it's a morning if you're like a freelance um, art maker (laughs) in New York City. I think morning is like maybe from like noon to three. (laughs) Well, I've known Claire, uh, not to age either of us, but I've known you since... I went to grad school, and um, and we've known each other through many a mutual friend, including the very talented writers Andy Hertz, who you mm-hmm. went to college with, right? You went to Brown. Yeah, Andy and I went to Brown together. Yes, yes. we went to Brown together. Yeah, and Mike Petrie, of course, who's actually accompanied uh, a few up, uh, times on this show, so mm-hmm. everybody's very familiar with him. Mm-hmm. And um, I also wanted to do a throwback to you. Um, I remember this one time. I want to say it was two thousand six. Okay. You and I, we were at Andy's house, and we sang together for this Sondheim-themed anniversary party. Yes, we did. I know what you're going to say. Yes. (laughs) And you and I sang It Takes Two from Into the Woods. We did, and it was such a delight. That was was such fun. It was really fun. And look at you now, full circle, actually doing Into the Woods. Yeah. And And actually... Yeah, and actually, um, so another kind of fun, you know, throwback is um, Andy, uh, our you know our mutual friend who mm-hmm. whose house we were at when we sang it takes two. 
he actually music directed a production of Into the Woods that I directed at Brown in my under my undergrad years. So, no way. Yeah. So right. so the Woods has made a sort of um, a special appearance at many times in my life. You've been into and out of the woods. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so so Claire, I just I want to uh, just talk from the beginning. Like where where do you come from? Like where do I come from? What yeah. Are, are, like philosophically or geographically? <laughs> uh, give, give me a mix. Give me both. Right. Well, no, I um. So I, I grew up in Connecticut, so about an hour outside of the city. Okay. Um, so New York City was always the big city to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's where I came in to see all of my shows, uh, you know, all the shows. And um, it was a very special place. And I always wanted to live here. I never knew if I would, but I always wanted to. Um, and then um, I went to college at Brown in uh, Providence. Um, and then I moved to the city and I was here for a couple of years before I decided that I really wanted to get very serious about acting. Um, and so I applied to some grad programs and, uh, lucky for me, got into Juilliard, which was, um, a real gift for me. Um, and so, uh, just trained there and then graduated a few years ago and have been out now in the profession, uh, working as an actor. And then through all of that, I, um, I will say that um, I've always led from acting, but I've been able to do, um, you know, other things. And definitely, just all through my life, I've always been creating work. So, you know, when I was a kid, it would be like forcing my brother to be in things and, you know, dressing him up and making him do dances. Um, right. But then, you know, yeah. And um, uh, and then into college um, and into in high school and college, it was always a mix of directing and a little bit of producing and um, and a little bit of writing. So, uh, so that's what I'm very happy to say I'm still doing now, which is really fun. I've actually never met you before, no. which is weird. Uh, when I discovered that the guy who wrote and directed The Woodsman was also The Woodsman, right. I, like, my jaw dropped to the floor. Like, I couldn't believe it. And, but it also, at the same time, like, made perfect sense when I put all those things together. I was like, I was like, Oh, of course he wrote it and directed it. it just um, the, the whole piece w- was so organic, and I want to talk about that later. Um, but I want to just start from the very beginning. Where do you come from? And Because like, <laughs> I have no idea where you're yeah. from. Yeah. Um, well, my I always kind of start with the fact that my parents are both New Yorkers. They okay. both actually uh, worked at 34th Street Macy's when okay. they were in, like, the 70s, and they met there and... and uh, uh, they moved around a lot with my dad's work. Uh, he's a, he's a, a clothing salesman, okay. and um, and uh, I was born in upstate New York, but we moved to in Albany, and we moved to Texas when I was one. Whoa. So I usually and I I, I, I usually say that uh, you know I, I I should be a Texan, but I think since my upbringing and my family are so not that that it's sort of hard to identify with that. Although I love Texas and it's sort of extraordinary, but. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 buckle of the Bible Belt is a really extraordinary place. <laughs> <laughs> it is um, indeed. It is indeed. It's really, really a special place. It's really interesting. It's like so, character studies galore. <laughs> and where did you find theater? When did uh, where did theater find yeah. you? Um, well, I think I really started off as the really um, introverted, shy um, uh, art, painting, sculpting kid. Okay, that was okay. really that was my identifying feature. I think um, in elementary school. Gonna go do and my then, art and do it alone. Do what? Like I'm gonna go do my art and I'm gonna do it alone. Yeah, I think that was kind of the nature of the beast. You know, I'm the youngest of three, so I think there's some correlation there in some capacity. But um, uh, 
so I, I started off there and then I sort of found my way into like a drama class or two and then a theater class and a little bit of this and that and this and that. And, and I think sort of along the way, and, and then I, you know, and then high school kind of took over and, you know, I became the theater club president and just sort of, you know, a, a, you know, the path diverged. Yeah, yeah like you do. <laughs> like you do. Um, but I, I think my passion for art was still there, but it sort of turned it off a little bit. And then I think high time, um, I I was reminded that in my neighborhood there was a uh, a marionette um, puppet troupe that would kind of go around, excuse me, go around through all the parks and the park department, the parks and rec department um, uh-huh. through uh, my local town. Wow! Every summer they'd go through all the parks and they would do little like really rinky tink puppet shows. And I remember seeing them a lot when I was a kid and going, "This is so cool." Mm-hmm. Um, but that was sort of it. And I think I think my mother was trying to get me out of the house, and she just sort of said, "Like, why don't I'm going to sign you up for this thing, and you're going to do this one summer." <laughs> and, I, and I did, and then it just, you know, it just sort of from that point on, um, it, puppetry just became an identifying feature of me. Hmm. Um, and I've since sort of put together, I think, or or had a realization that I think it's the it's the really delicious intersection between fine art and puppetry, and that's that's no new information. Uh, excuse me, uh, intersection between fine art and theater. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, you know, it's character analysis from the ground up. So, I mean, literally you are deciding what their fingernails look like, you know, you, it's, it's, it's the most exacting, and most, um, freeing in a very bizarre sort of way. Um, so I think I've sort of found my way to there and, uh, you know, here I am, I suppose. That's really cool. Well, speaking of Juilliard, so you went there for grad school. Was that for acting or directing or? For acting. for acting. So for acting. So there, yeah. So I was there for acting. It's um, you know, an intensive, intensive, intensive acting program, mm-hmm. um, which was fantastic. Um, while I was there, though, I did get to do some student-initiated projects, where in the very, very limited time you have, you get a bunch of people together and you put on a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the big ones that I did was a little night music because I love Sondheim, obviously. Yes. Yes. Um, and don't we all? And so, um, and so I decided that I wanted to do a musical and because it was Juilliard, I thought it would be wonderful to find something that could take advantage of the cross section of brilliant genius people that they have there. So a little night music was a good fit, um, in terms of musicians. We got musicians from the music department. We got actors from the drama division and we got, um, some dance, a dancer to choreograph it from the dance division. And we got, um, uh, vocal arts students, uh, to sing the, um, quintet in that show. And so we put that all together. So I did, so I directed there and then I did a little bit of, um, sort of teaching over the summers. And now I'm actually doing some teaching and directing as a guest director for them every now and then as well. Um, cause I think the teachers sort of sensed I had an instinct for it and a passion for it. So they've been very generous and asked me back to work with the students. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, which is really fun. Yeah. Really fun. I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm teaching them, but hopefully, <laughs> getting something hopefully you'll know it. soon. You didn't immediately go to grad school right after undergrad, right? There was like a, a yeah. few years gap, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then in that in that gap, I sort of did again a little bit of everything. Um, I did um, some acting. That's when I went to go do the '60s Project at Goodspeed and some workshops and concerts and that kind of thing. And then I also did some. Um, some uh, directing and and producing. My friends and I started a little theater company for a time, and we did a couple plays. Um, and I worked. For, yeah. Yeah, there was one. Uh, and baby makes seven. And baby makes seven. Yeah. Yes, I saw yes. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a really fun um, project, a very special project for us. So what um, what brought about the decision to return to academia? 
Well, um, I think because I was doing a lot of different things, I felt like I was actually spreading myself a little thin and I didn't really have a strong direction. Mm. And um, so there was that. There was also um, that I just uh, felt like I could get better as an actor. I just really felt like I could get better. And I took this, I, I applied and got into this program called um, the Public Shakespeare Lab, which I can't, I don't know if they're still doing, but... Um, it was uh, basically like a summer training program in Shakespeare, but for like people in their careers and at various stages in their careers. Cool. And so um, I did that for summer, and it was almost like grad school light. It was like a, it was almost like a taste of what grad school could be, hmm. because we had these amazing teachers coming in, and we were working um, at a really you know at a high level. And so I thought, oh, I'm really ready for this, and this feels really good, and I feel like I'm getting better. So I think this would be a good move for me. And uh, so then I, I decided to apply. And, and like I said, um, Juilliard was a, it's just, it's been a real gift because not only has, do I feel like I'm a much better actor now, um, but I'm also a better singer because of how, how I've learned certain things about my, um, my instrument and gotten to practice that. And uh, I might think of a better director and a better teacher. And so all of those things that I was doing before, I'm now much better at having trained. Uh, as far as puppet design, when, when did you make your first puppet and what was it was it oh my god uh jesus joel um <laughs> i'm just trying to actually remember things um well or just tell me like an uh, early an early proto yeah. puppet or yeah 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 i mean i think you know it would be a thing where i would i think i mean i have a lot of marionettes and that's really where i began because that was what the the puppet troupe did okay, initially okay. and then i i made a lot of marionettes and i have a pierrot puppet marionette um that uh, a lot of things were sort of like this is a wicked witch or this is a dragon you know or something think that I'd be really excited about making yeah. for the sake of being like I have a dragon but um um but I think like in terms of like uh, you know articulate detailed like actually legitimately considered a puppet I think um this Perot marionette that I still have I actually have it in my house right now oh, that's um great. is a uh, one of the early ones I would say do, do you find yourself gravitating toward the same sort of projects no matter what role you um are kind of cast in. How, uh, how do you, how, how do you mean? How like, do you mean? Um, like say you're, you're, um, like if you're only, or I guess, I guess the, the other side of the question is, yeah. are, are there ever instances where like you're quote unquote, just the actor or just the director or just the puppet sure. designer? I'm... And do you, and do those all kind of feel like, you know, it's, no, no, no. I just, I think the woodsman was sort of an explosion of like all the things that I love in one place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, is that the exception to the rule, or um, do you get to do uh, a lot of things gener- where you get to do generally, a lot of things? Generally. I mean, the great thing about Strangement is that I, I can try on the different hats. I mean, I went to SUNY Purchase. I went to the conservatory, mm-hmm. the acting conservatory there, um, and my focus was acting. And then I graduated, and then uh, the very first gig I got out of the door was on an acting job, but actually at, at uh, El Gato con Botas, which was this amazing puppet show at the New Victory that Moises Kaufman directed, and it was with puppetry by the Blind Summit uh, Puppet Company, and they're amazing because they um, are this amazing company from the UK that uh, actually did the puppets for the London Olympics opening ceremony several years ago. Oh wow! Like they did all these inflatable, extraordinary things, and they're them, which was crazy. And then I, it sort of reshifted my gears towards puppetry, and and uh, you know, direction was always a thing that was a big part of me. But of course, you don't get to explore those things when you're in a conservatory. I think the company was formed because I think a lot of us had a bunch of cool ideas that we were all really excited by, 
And then I would go, well, sure, I'll take that on. And I've never done that. And that sounds fun. And, you know, and learning about set design and learning about um, storytelling. Generally, yeah, I mean, it's never before, except for The Woodsman, have I been able to wear so many hats, both as a blessing. And that, that was both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be my question. Did, did you like that? Or did you? I mean, I did. Of course I did. Yeah. It, was, it was also, I think, what made The Woodsman, made my experience that I really got to sort of bring the people in a room together that I really believed in, um, uh, in the cast and uh, on the team. And do you find yourself gravitating toward the same sort of projects as a director that you do as an actor, or do you find there's definitely a split? Um, no, I think they're similar. I think they're similar. I think yeah. I'm, um, I mean, stylistically, not ne- not necessarily. I mean, The Woodsman is uh, like a very um, special, special and unique piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, really responded to that. I joined that. They had already started um, with some workshops and some some early versions of it. And then I, when I, jo- I so I saw I saw it, and a friend of mine was in it, and I l- I just loved it and really responded to it. And so reached out to her just to let her know that. And at the time, they were looking for somebody to come on and join as a co-director. So she recommended me. I met James, and we immediately hit it off and felt really good um, about working together. So. But that, that's not necessarily a piece that um, I would have known that I would have been a good fit for because it's, it's very special and unique and it's mostly yeah. like movement. But I think the similarity between that and say, you know, like a Little Night Music or a, um, or a Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune or things like that is um, that it's, uh, it's just really about, um, they're really good stories. So I'm really into good stories. And they have a great mix of, um, of, of humor and uh, and pathos and um, and that they really move people. I think fundamentally, I'm interested in moving people. Um, at the very base of it, I want to do things that move people. If it means it moves them to laugh, it means it moves them to cry or moves them to think. Somewhere in there, that's what I'm most interested in. Um, so it's kind of the guide for me, I guess. Who all are the strange men? Well, it's just it's it was founded by myself and two other people from SUNY Purchase. And then, um, and then we've sort of expanded. I mean, at this point, I think our artistic board is about six people strong. Okay. And, um, and then uh, we sort of have a wide reach of a lot of other young, excited uh, writers and designers and other artists that are, that are perpetually sending us new ideas for us to sort of um, sit with and think about. Mm. Um, you know, the Woodsman was... Ooh, I mean, the version that you saw, because you saw the one that was just at 59th, that just happened? Yes, the one that just happened. The one that just happened. Um, so you, that was the fourth iteration of that show. So in the past, the, the two and a half years ago, it was the first version of the show. Wow. So, it, you know, it, we, we, just, we just really enjoy um, development. Uh, I think that's the best way to put it. And uh, I really enjoy that. And uh, so the nature of the beast is sort of amorphous and, and really kind of glorious. And I think shouldn't have worked the way that I think it did in the capacity of the show, just the number of people that were involved in the, and the different elements. And I think the fact that it was a passion project for me and then it sort of, um, and I think it became a passion project for everybody else involved, I think is why I think we were able to bring the show back for a second run at 59th, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's, this is a, this is this, this, I think the woodsman is the exception to the rule. Um, but an exception that I'm now going to strive to uh, uh, live up to. You know, I, I don't. I don't want to step backwards from here. I loved the Woodsman so much when I I 
I heard about it uh, during its first incarnation in New York, and um, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big Oz fan. I'm a big puppet fan. Uh, theater where it, it where it looks very DIY. Um, you know, I just I, I loved everything about the idea of it, and then and then it closed, and I was I was, I was really just, uh, kicking myself. And then when it came back, I was like, all right, that I'm I'm seeing this no matter what. And oh, um, cool. yeah, so it was really really cool. Um, I I loved it. Everything about it like felt very organic. Like it it felt like the group had written it and created it together in the same room. Yeah, um, uh, we did. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah, um, the collaborative well, I mean, group. Yeah, it really was. I mean, um, it's it's hard to say that I wrote something when there's no words in the play. Um, yeah, but, uh, I, I, that credit was sort of given to me. It's a really sort of curious thing. Um, but um, I would, I mean, the first meeting that we had, I'll say this, it was The Woodsman began two and a half years ago as a, a small piece to be seen at a fundraiser for another show we were taking to 59. We were all really excited about it as just sort of like a thing to show off. And then, so I really had three weeks to put something together. I, the Tin Man and the Witch were built during that time. Hmm. And at that point, that was the only puppets, in, those were the only puppets in the show. Yeah. And, um, and it really just started off as a, uh, here's some people that I think would be really interesting to work with, and uh, here's the story itself. So I sort of read them the passages from the novels, uh-huh. um, uh, which are really like a handful of paragraphs at best, I would say. I mean, really, the, this, the story is really a paragraph in the first book that then gets uh, brought up again in later books. So we kind of used a lot of the details from other books. Uh-huh. Um, and then... Uh, we, I, I, you know, we did some exercises, we found some different things, and then I sort of went away and I cranked out an outline of just sort of, you know, each scene needs to be able to serve these functions. These are the events that have to happen in each scene. And then as a group, we would just come together and, and try to hit those bullet points. Hmm. Um, and then along the way, we kind of ended up realizing what we were talking about and what the story was. And, um, and every time that we've done the show, I would sit down with a different collaborator and sort of refine the outline because, of course, you know, you do it once. And the great thing is, is that, you know, I think it's I think it's actually an interesting thing, feedback after a show. Yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes it's great, sometimes it's difficult, and most of the time it's both. Um, but I think what was great is that everybody, there was nobody that just sort of, there's no good job and sort of walked away. They had a lot of things to say. They had a lot of input and they had a lot of, opinions about the piece and when mm-hmm. things were just not working in the piece and, and in the early days there was huge plot elements that were like what um so it was amazing to you know use that and i love working this way of using audiences to you know sort of find the the um what's the common note that i keep getting what's the common thing i keep hearing mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. and then and then that's the thing to listen to i think it's really easy to um just sort of listen to you know i, I think i think i think Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a. Everybody has their point of view. But mm-hmm. I think the thing to make the thing to listen to is what does everybody say? Yeah. Um, you know, because I think otherwise you get really bogged down by one person's opinions. And right. uh, we we actually talk about that in, in at Strangeman when we're um, when somebody is approaching us with a play and we go we like the play but the play doesn't you know I, we wonder if we would this is what you what we think you want this play to be. Um, so right. it, it's a, it, you know, it's a funny uh, question. Anyway, so we uh, got together in the room, we did some outlines, and then and each version we would revise. And then I met uh, Claire Carpenpetri, who you know. Yes, I do. Um, uh, who's lovely. And yeah. actually, I met her because the original Nimi, uh, Ismenia Mendez, who's now like a little darling in the Broadway and off-Broadway world, mm-hmm. um, 
was the original Nimi, the love interest in the show. And then she had to leave for a big project and we had lunch and we were chatting about it. And she was like, you know, I think it would be really useful if it was, if you had another pair of eyes on the outside, because it really had been me in it and outside of it and trying to work in a room with mirrors. And you, and you kind of go, that's insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah it's like, it looks okay, I guess. Um, it's really, you know, and there was, you know, that sort of exaggeration because I would certainly always have like, um, people that could come in and out to sort of offer their thought, but I think maybe we need someone consistently there. And she introduced me to her classmate from Juilliard, Claire, and um, who's now Cinderella and Into the Woods on at the Roundabout. I know, I'm, I'm seeing it next week. You are. It's yeah, wonderful. I'm it's really excited. Wonderful. It's a very similar aesthetic to the Woodsman, actually. Mm-hmm. Which we was definitely really... we talked about that. Which Did you? Cool. Yeah. Uh, there actually was an article. Uh, I can't remember who. I think it was Huffington Post that talked about like what's up with stories about woods. And you go, I don't know, you know, that's, that's a great conversation for, you know, your shrink, but let's talk about it. Um, Make sure you purchase your $12 tickets to my mid-season concert happening Friday, April 24th at 9.30 p.m. at the Duplex in the West Village. A ticket link can be conveniently found on the joelbenew.com homepage. While you're there, you can access the entire Something New episode archive by clicking on the podcast tab. Something New is supported by lynda.com. Begin learning software, business, and creative skills anytime, anywhere with video instruction from recognized industry experts. Visit lynda.com slash something new for a free 10-day trial. And that's Linda with a Y. Um, how, how easy is it for you to take off a hat that you're not necessarily hired to wear? Oh, you know, back in the day, it was a lot harder. Now it's, it's much easier. It's actually a big relief. Yeah. Um, I've learned, yeah, because, because every, you know, each job is, has its own challenges and its own rewards, but, um, but there's, what's great is that like when I'm an actor, I'm so relieved to be an actor because directing is, um, is really difficult. And so, I mean, both are really difficult. So yep. it's really a relief to take off the hat and go, you wear it to the director. <laughs> like I and defer you to you. With, That's great. I defer to you. Yeah. And, and I would love to luxuriate in just being an actor on this. And then as a director, it's a similar thing. It's kind of like when you're, when you're directing, you put on the director hat and you, you get, to, and in a way you get to play all the parts to a point or you get to, you know, dip your hand in all the parts, but you mm. also then get to sit back and let the actors work their magic. Um, and so it's actually, it, it's actually quite a relief every, you know, every now and then there's the voice that goes, Oh, maybe we could do it this way, or maybe we could do it this way. And luckily in the right room, I think that the directors and the actors are all collaborating. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's easy to, um, allow both of those, those instincts to, to come out a little more. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you do get in, if I am an actor and I get inspired by something I see through my director, eye that I can, I can offer it as a form of collaborating with the rest of the people in the room. Yeah. But, um, but again, what's great is that then the director gets to make the choice as to whether or not they use that idea or not. Yeah. And that's a big relief. The executive to be like, decision. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and vice versa, you know, as a director, my actor instincts, I think, help me help actors. Um, but it also helps me know when it's, you know, time for me to step away and really let the actor do their job. Yeah. So now I'm, and now I've, but that was a learning, that was a learning curve. You know, when I was younger, I think, um, I, those would cross a lot more than was useful. And yep. now I've learned a little bit more about how to be more useful to people in whichever role I'm playing. Uh, so you co-directed The Woodsman. Yes. And then I came in, as I mentioned, I saw a version of it. And then when I came in, basically what they needed is James's, you know, was directing it, designing it. He was making the puppets. It's his, you know, it's his starring baby. In it. Yeah. Starring in it. He's, you know. 
And obviously, as you can imagine, that's a lot of hats to wear. Yes. And um, and there's also was nobody really to sit outside of it and tell people what they were seeing and respond to it. So, yeah. um, so the company decided and James decided that it would be really good to have um, a co-director. And so uh, my friend recommended me and... Um, I got really excited and, and then James and I met, we just started talking and we just hit it off and we have a similar way of talking about the work and looking at the work and we're after the same things in the work. So then we just sort of sat down and hashed out um, uh, what we thought the story was and how to improve upon it and make it stronger and make the, the important events that we thought uh, really made it special land. And so we, we sort of hashed out... Um, a diff- we, we ev- the story evolved with us just sort of like hashing it out yeah. and then we brought it back in the room with the rest of the actors and with their uh, collaboration again a very collaborative room very ensemble driven work yeah um, just you, could, sort of, you could tell yeah right I mean somebody said something beautiful about how it feels like we're all everyone's like the same animal I mean everybody breathes together breath is a huge part of the show and yeah. you can feel everybody just breathing together through the whole thing and then also I should say that like last year um we, we did the show, and then we basically remounted it for this year. But in the remounting, I was doing rehearsals for Into the Woods. So um, one of our wonderful actors who had been with the project since the beginning came on as associate director. And so she was also really helpful in helping us remount it and being that third eye when I couldn't be there. Um, and her name is Devin Dunn-Campbell, and she's uh, – not Campbell, Devin Dunn-Cannon. And she's wonderful. Um, so I just want to give her a special shout-out for being – um, a huge part of this particular remounting of the show. Awesome. Thanks, Devin. It was really good. Do you remember if there were any specific moments or elements um, that Claire brought to the table that maybe hadn't been pointed out before? Or like what kind of sensibility yeah. she brought that, yeah, that maybe I mean, wasn't she there before? Was, well, you know, it was interesting. It was a lot of dudes in a room before. And, <laughs> Claire, and Claire really brought, it sounds kind of dumb, but she brought this uh, feminine touch to the whole piece in a really mm. useful way. Um, you know, one thing that was always sort of in the way, and I think it's still sort of tricky when you see the show, but I think it's there. I think you just have to look for it. But why does Nick, uh, uh, my character, why does he keep chopping when he knows it's going to destroy him? Right. And you go, well, it's a fable, but that's not really an answer that anybody can use in such a, that's not really an excuse in the moment, you know? Yeah. Um, um, and the, and before it was always just about, because he should. And when Claire came in, she had some really lovely things to say, and we threw around a lot of interesting ideas of why would why would she, his his wife, his his love of his life, let him keep going. Hmm. And then for a while we kept talking about what if she was pregnant, um, and that this was, um, and you go, I get that. You know, she was able to kind of talk about those scary things that I think none of the men in the room would even have thought of thinking about <laughs> um, out of just fear for bringing it into their own lives. I was curious about, Adaptation, because uh, as a writer myself, um, yeah. I've 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 adapted books uh, for the stage and mythology yeah. for the stage, and I'm curious when and how you um, you were able to like put the books down, and did you ever return to them? Return to the source material? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually I'm actually working on something else right now that is um that is a uh, very much of a scripted piece based off of a novel, okay. and. And I'm working with a writer in that capacity, and he's fantastic, and he's very much of the school of thought of um, now we know what the story is. Let's put this. Let's put the book down and and get and and create what we need to create. Yep. And go. And, excuse me. And then go back there for the details that we might need. And you go, okay, cool. But I, for some, 
I, I'm much more, generally I'm much more of a school of thought of keep it around. Um, you know, there'll, there'll be that, there'll be that important piece that you just go, right, there's a comma there where there should have been a period. That means something, you know, hmm. and having spent so much time in sort of, uh, classical theater, just in 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 different variety of training programs, you just kind of go like punctuation is important. Uh, you know, I I prefer working that way. But I, with any adaptation, I don't know about you, but I just kind of I really can't even commit to the project if I can't find the the ooey gooey juicy universal conversation that it's trying to have at the bottom of it all. Oh sure. Um, you no, know, I and uh, I think if I it's really the beginning of it. If if I can get to that. Or, or be able to highlight, or, or know what needs to be highlighted, in order to get to that. Then I think that's sort of the beginning of the journey for an adaptation. It's funny. I, it's hard for me to talk about how to like how to adapt because I I pretty much only do it. So I don't really have a I don't have a barometer for original work because I I don't you know I haven't really written an, an original piece. You know what I mean? Huh. Yeah. 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 For for me, it's um uh, I I wish I had the patience to sit around to to, to find the uh the universal question uh before sure. i start putting the pen to paper sure. um i'm i'm very antsy and i like to get started uh f- for me it um what it usually ends up happening is that i oh, sure. i start i i think i figure out I, I i follow the impulse to write it and i don't necessarily yeah. find out why i'm writing it until uh, i'm i'm you know probably about ankle deep that's amazing <laughs> Is it? I, I love that. Know. I love that. I think it's actually really interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a, I have a big, I have a big fear of um, work that is created with an extreme focus on the how versus the why. That's mm-hmm. just me. And I think because since I work with puppetry and I work with theatrical elements that are very heightened and and uh, you know big stories. Yeah. I'm. It's really easy to fall into. Wouldn't it be cool if? Um, oh yes, the if game. It's just, it's just, it's. I mean, it's just like it's right there. It's like, yeah, and it would be so great if like her shirt opened up and then we had butterflies fly out. Wouldn't that be great? And you go, yeah, sure. <laughs> For some, I somehow knew you were going to say butterflies. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I don't know why there was a, there was a variety of other animals that could have leapt out of her chest. I, just, I think I, I went to butterflies because you know it's it's still morning for me. I just don't let myself go there. It's been really interesting working on this new piece that I'm trying to work on mm-hmm. because it's been about a year and a half of just trying to get a script out, and you know, and I, I've been doing everything in my power not to start sketching the puppets or the sets or the uh-huh, other things that, uh-huh. that that would be. And, you know, so the great thing is it just stays in my head and it can change and it can morph. But I know that I just know me that if I begin going there, I won't look, I won't, I won't come back. Yeah, you won't look Um, back. Because then I'll be in full production in my head. And oftentimes I find that it gets really, really sad um, when they're not in real production in life. So (laughs) as a way to sort of um, keep myself getting really depressed, um, it's a, it's a really useful way um, uh, of approaching it. What was the most challenging moment to dramatize, would you say? Oh, that's a really good question. Most challenging moment to dramatize. Um, I don't, you know, we had a lot of conversations about the magic in the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, um, that, that, was a, that was an ongoing conversation about just how magic worked and what was magical and what wasn't. Um, so that was challenging, but that was sort of a throughout thing. One of the hardest things to stage... Um, was there's a moment where um, the 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 main uh, girl Nimi, um, who's the Tin Woodsman's love interest, 
Hi, puppy. Um, the Tin Woodsman's love interest. Actually, I love that he just barked because what I was going to say is the hardest thing was um, um, she has to run away from this beast. Um, mm-hmm. And so having figuring out how she runs away and how we get this, this huge puppet that's a three-person manned puppet, which is this beast called the Kalita, which is a, a, a tiger and a bear. Mm. Um, a creature that's a tiger and a bear. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, thank you. Isn't it gorgeous? Oh, yeah, I think yeah. James did a beautiful job. But uh, we had to figure out how to get that on and reveal that in a right way and have her run away from it. And so that might have been the most challenging piece. And we kept refining that um, as we went. And then we, you know, like with anything, once we found everything, it was like, oh, oh, of course well, of it's course. this. Yeah. yeah. Random question. What's the first thing you do when you're designing designing a puppet? Uh, the first thing I do is I think about the functionality of it. So I generally think about... Um, so you're thinking about like the operator? I think about how many operators I think I can get away with, given the given whatever the budgetary constraints are. Okay. Um, how many operators could I possibly have? And then that, of course, affects everything else after that. And then, and then I think eventually we start getting doodling and trying to get something on paper. That's usually the beginning. And you think about, and I think a lot about textures and things because that's half of the job. Of what's the texture of this thing? And then we kind of go from there. What was the most challenging moment to dramatize, and what was your favorite? That's really tricky. I mean, I actually kind of feel like there were challenges in the prologue at the beginning because we were just trying to cram a lot of information. Yeah, in. you're setting up so much. You're setting up so much, but at the same time, it's all meant to feel like like a like a a long warm breath on your neck like it's just meant to feel like that's a terrible analogy james like it's, to, <laughs> it's, it's a little creepy to, a little creepy it's meant to feel like uh it's meant to feel like um a, a sepia film is opening and uh, the widescreen is getting bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. the iris mm-hmm. is opening um it's meant to feel like come on back to memory for a second so it was all this information uh but trying to just be as sort of open and and uh, generous with it as possible um, that was a challenge. Um, I also think, like, uh, it's funny, because the last version we just did, we had already created, me and Claire had already really made a solid version the year before. So this last version was, there was no, we didn't need to reinvent the wheel. So we just did the show again and sort of adjusted a couple things, mm-hmm. got to fine tune. So it's hard for me to think about what the immediate challenges were. You know, things like trying to guard uh, Nimi's a plot line about the fact that she does have some sense of power inside of her and uh, trying to make sure that that had a resolution. Um, I think in early versions, it was sort of a trick uh, and we could do some really cool stuff with her having sort of magic powers, but uh, it didn't really pay off anywhere. So you ended up kind of feeling a little cheated at the end of the story. We were able to come up with the whole thing that she revitalizes the Tin Man at the end. Not spoiler alert. Yeah, um, uh, but yeah, that yeah that 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 would I would say the challenge. Also, I would say a big challenge is grappling with that friggin' Kalita, the big monster in the play. Was wow! Yeah, trying to build it, trying to do a fight scene with it, and trying to make it actually frightening because it is just a big bag of foam. Um, that was a real challenge. It was a, it was an, it was a thrilling challenge, but it was yeah. a challenge. So you're back in the performing world. Yeah, and um, you're playing, and, and I know it's a it's a smaller ensemble than Into the Woods is is accustomed to typically. Yes. And so, how many actors are there? So there are um, ten actors wow. um, and a piano player. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt Castle, hi Matt. Matt, yes, Matt Castle is fantastic. He's uh, a genius. Yes, he is um, in every way. Yes. 
Um, and so, uh, yeah, there's just there's just the ten of us, and we and it plus Matt, and we just make the show happen. Um, which means, again, very similar to the Woodsman, it's a lot of um, we're on stage the whole time, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a lot of uh, you know you're, you're performing, you do your bit, but then you are either um, watching and supporting by watching, or you're playing an instrument on the side, or you're you know saying something. But everybody is in, literally instrumental in making the show happen. That's great. And so yeah. you primarily play Cinderella. Yes. And you also play and Granny. Yeah, I do. I mean, for like two seconds. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do a little bit of Granny. I do a little bit of the giant. Um, and I do. And we all share the narration. Oh, that's uh, wonderful. So, yeah, there's no narrator. It's just all of us are the narrator collectively. Oh, I love that. In terms of getting involved in Into the Woods, um, actually, I might be one of the only cast members... I hope I'm not speaking out of turn on this. I think I might be one of the only cast members who auditioned for the show because the show uh, evolved actually with, um, with they started just doing workshops of it because they mostly do Shakespeare, but yep. they also yep. do Shakespeare with a lot of music. They're all very musical people. So they thought that, you know, they would like to do musical and they were looking for material they thought would serve the way that they approach shows and also their musical sensibilities and something that they were interested in and could get passionate about and into the woods um, seemed like a good fit. So they just started exploring it early on and they did some workshops with most of the company members that you'll see now. Um, and, uh, then they got an opportunity to do it at the McCarter in New Jersey. And, um, at the time the, the wonderful talent, there was a wonderful talented actress who was playing Cinderella, but she got a, I believe like a Broadway job. So she had to drop out of the production. So they held auditions and, um, and I remember getting the audition for Cinderella and, I remember thinking, oh, my God, this would be amazing. This is one of my favorite shows of all time. These are my favorite yeah. people of all time. Yeah. I, I've, always, I've been eager to work with them again. But then I saw that it was for Cinderella. And quite honestly, I was like, I'm not Cinderella. That's not my, that's not my go-to part. I, I just didn't think, I just didn't necessarily think it was um, going to be, a, you know, the right fit for me or that I, I could do it even. Um, and then I went in and I auditioned. And in the audition, I... Um, as I was looking around at the people in the room and my old friends, I was like, oh, oh, in this room, I could totally be Cinderella. There's something about this that just feels, that feels right. This feels right. And then I, you know, um, and so luckily they felt the same way. And then I came on board for Princeton and have been just a part of the family ever since. So what advice would you give anyone listening who's considering either like going back to school or performers looking to direct? Oh, good question. Um, I think, well, I think it really, like, fundamentally, you have to follow your passion for the work. You have to be an artist first. Um, it's easy in this business to get distracted by the superficial things, and it's easy for people to tell you what you should want out of the work. It's easy for people to tell you, you know, and to tell you, like, what your landmarks of success are. Um, mm-hmm. But most important is that you have your own passion for what you want to do with the work, and if you start from there, then you're going to be fine and you're going to go the right places, which isn't to be, you know, isn't to be um, naive. I mean, there are definitely times you have to do work that you're not necessarily passionate about. But if you have that inner compass, then it will guide you wherever you need to go so that um, and then it'll just you'll just make work because you have to. So, I mean, the woodsman happened because James is an artist and he can't stop and he had a story he wanted to tell. And so he just told it and then. There was an audience for it, so it kept growing and growing and growing. Um, and I would say that my I went back to school because I had a passion for the work, 
And that's really what I brought into the room when I auditioned. And that's what they saw and responded to. And that's really what's guided me throughout. So even also, um, my directing and teaching has just come from me being passionate. It's not that I've set out to actually, um, you know, like some of the directing I did at Juilliard, it's not even that I set out to be a director or some of the teaching I'm doing now. I didn't go to school to do, to learn how to do that, but that was a natural growth of my own artistic passion. But you so I to think that that's that. the most important. Yeah, you got to listen to that. That's that's the compass. That's the guide. Yeah. What advice would you give any actors listening who are looking to get into puppetry or writing or directing? Um, I think it's that it, like any endeavor that you're not familiar with, it's not as frightening once you actually start. Uh, writing, puppetry, design, direction, all of those things are extraordinarily fulfilling. Um, uh, make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. Uh, if you like control, please don't be a director. Um, <laughs> uh, that, if that's your if that's your leading um, impetus, I think maybe we should talk about something else. Um, really, uh, right. so if if you like control, do not direct. I just think so. I mean, I just go. That's not the point. The point is um, tell a story. The point is change my opinion. The point is. Um, uh, uh, change some consciousnesses, CCs. Um, uh, I, 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 you know, now I will say control is a big thing <laughs> in puppetry and also direction and also writing, but, um, you know, that should be a flavor and not the, and not the mo- modus operandi. Um, but I would say for anybody trying to get into it, um, find somebody that's doing it and hang out with them. I mean, I got some great advice from a casting director I used to work for ages ago that if you, if you just feel like you're not heaven's door and you're not able to get in, you feel like you're just banging your head against a wall, uh, then, then try and find the window, you know, just hang out with the people that are doing the things that you like. Um, the mo- the worst that could possibly happen is they'll say I'm busy. Um, but, uh, uh, make friends and hang out after the show and, uh, and, uh, and that's how I that's how I've met all of my collaborators as people that have approached me after anything that I've worked on. Um and uh Yeah, I I'd, I'd say that, you know. That's really cool. Move forward, do good stuff. And then my last question is um, instead of asking you what's next, because I don't think that's mm-hmm. a, a nice question for everybody. Yeah. Um, it, it can be an anxiety driven question. It really right? can. It can. Like yeah. I was at a thing last night and people are always at the, they're like, So what are you working on? Yeah, it's like yeah. I, it's like I I know the answer. I I eighty five percent know the answer, but I mean like the rest has to is kind of like out of my control. Yeah, oh, yeah. it always is. Yeah. So uh, so the question I prefer to ask you is, um, what would you like to ask from the world at this stage in your Ooh. career? Like, what would you like? Like, let's let's put something out there. Like, what do you want? Oh, what do I want? Um, I it's funny. I think uh, I there's. The main thing that I want, and I've been very lucky to have it, but it's the thing that I want the most, is to keep getting to do really good work with people that I love and keep holding me to higher standards. Like, that's that's like, that's like the big fundamental why. Um, um, on a more superficial level, because, <laughs> like, they're always happening, um, I would love to do um, – I would love to do uh, – I would love to do more work in New York. I really like staying here um, if I can. And I also would love to do work that um, pays well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I would love, the, love yeah. some jobs that, that pay well because uh, 
the theater is less. I love it. 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 I just wish it paid a little bit better because it's, it's just financially hard. Yes. Um, which is just a reality of the work that we do. Yeah. Um, so, so I, that's what I put out into the universe. The dream job, you know, get me working with people I love and projects I love and have it pay, pay really well. well. Yeah. All right. All right. You, the, the universe is listening. You know, I don't want to be greedy. I don't know if I really want to ask for anything from Santa Claus this year because I think I've gotten a lot of really lovely stuff. Um, um, but I would say, universe, I would love to get the rights to this piece of material that I'm working on. Okay. I would Great. Love, that's the thing. Yeah. All right. Universe, yeah. listen up. That about does it for our interview. This was so lovely. Oh, thank you, Joel. I'm so glad I got to chat to do this with you. James Ortiz, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing what you do next. And uh, I look forward to seeing more of the, the woodsmen, maybe, in the future. Very, dis- It's a very distinct possibility. From my apartment in Inwood, this is Joel B. New. This is James Ortiz. And Claire Carpin. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new. Thanks. All right, thank you so much. I will, sure. I will talk to you soon. All right. All right, bye. bye. Now it's time to set up the song, and we're shaking things up a bit. Today I'm presenting The Fort, one of the 20 selections found in my songbook that I published last November, performed here by the amazing Jenny Neal, whose voice and sensibility helped inspire this song into being. I'm releasing this recording today alongside the announcement that my songbook is moving from the free bookstore on Noise Trade over to the musical theater sheet music store, Repertoire.com, for only $19.99. 20 selections, including this one, from my shows and the trunk. Please check it out. Be sure to become a premium subscriber, a perfect investment for voice teachers, burgeoning musical theater writers, and my fellow Broadway nerds in general. Follow me on all things social media, and you may find those links and so much more on joelbenew.com. Please visit my guests' websites, James's Theater Company, strangemencompany.com, and clairecarpin.com. Subscribe to, rate, review this podcast, and tell your friends all about it. Special thanks to Peyton Royal at Website Lines, Stephanie Layden at Red Scandal Graphics, and Skype. Next episode is my Cabaret Roundtable, with special guest speakers Thomas Honick, Nikki McCallum, Melanie Can, and Justin Daniel.
Oh. 